last week on The Slut Show. What the <laughs> fuck is radical about wanting to be treated fucking equal? That's not radical. So, fuck me. When did you learn about feminism? You are the only one that you have to deal with your whole fucking life. So you better, you better start being friends with yourself. Better fall in love with yourself because you're the only one there. Yeah, right exactly. now we think that fat is unhealthy, which is not the case. Look at fucking Lizzo. She can dance and sing and twerk and play the flute for two hours straight. And you're going to tell me that she's unhealthy? You're like, going to tell me that I'm healthier than Lizzo is? Like, Don't fucking <laughs> think so, honey. So stupid. Yeah. I, I walk up one pair of stairs. I'm out of breath. I'm like, shit, I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> what the fuck same. are you talking about? I'm healthy. I'm skinny, yeah. not healthy. That's not the same. Exactly. You're not narcissistic for liking yourself. Give us the same rights you have and you will same, still have the same rights. Exactly. You yeah. will just not have the privilege over us and that's something exactly. you're refusing to give up. I do have a lot of sluts around me, so that's nice. Hey, uh, give it up for the <laughs> sluts in town, slut show. And as soon as we start like realizing, shit, sex is fun. Mm -hmm. That was such an eye opener for me. <laughs> yeah. This week on The Slut Show. How are you as a man in, in this patriarchal world learning to deal with your emotions? How are you learning to express them? Uh, therapy. Rights are not like a piece of pie. It's not like I take a piece of pie and there's less for the rest. Uh. No, rights are unlimited. If you give women the same rights that are given to men right now, that doesn't take any rights from them away. I can't just say, hey, I'm a feminist, so I'm one of the good guys. No, you need to work your ass off. If an eight-year-old faces racism, then white kids are sure as hell not too young to learn about it when their peers are facing it. Don't come at me saying that you couldn't find someone. Fuck off. No, we don't want a dialogue about oppression. Oppression is wrong, yeah. and we need to get rid of that shit. You cannot run away from yourself and your thoughts and your past. Exactly. Deconstructing your manhood, that definitely uh, is um, something I try to do every day, and it's painful. It's, it's uh, confronting, especially. Are you ready? Yes. Awesome. Okay, three, two, one. Hey you, thank you so much for listening. No matter when you are listening, no matter where you are, get comfortable. Get yourself a cup of tea, a glass, or an entire bottle of wine. Maybe smoke a blunt, get under a blanket, grab yourself some popcorn, and enjoy this week's episode of The Slut Show with Ellen Moore. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary beans, and any and everyone in between, my name is Ellen Moore, and welcome to this fourth episode of the fourth season. In the studio with me today is a Dutch political party member from Bayane. He is a social justice warrior, Black Lives Matter activist, and self-proclaimed feminist. I'm talking about the one and only Daryl. Yay. How are you? <laughs> well, thanks for having me in the first place. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited Happy to, to have here. you on the, on the show. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not, not nervous, but I'm a bit curious about right. how things are going to develop. Uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, I'm yeah. really uh, happy to, for the first time on the Slut Show ever, have a cisgender man. Oh, wow. You're the first one. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, yeah. Well. The, the very first, so that is actually, uh, you know, Slut Show history, I guess. Um, how have you been lately? Tired, mostly. Well, actually, you've been introducing me as a social justice warrior, and there's right. always something to do. Yeah. And I can literally exaggerate a bit. <laughs> which means you often get tired and need your rest. So right. I'm a bit tired, honestly, yeah. Recharging is really important. We're going to get into that later on mm -hmm. as well. Um, we're going to talk about how men can contribute to feminism, all the things that you feel passionate about, um, mm -hmm. how even men also, too, uh, benefit from breaking down the patriarchy. Definitely. But before we're going to get into all the goods... The Slut Show with Ellen Moore. The podcast slash talk show about shit you and I have to deal with on a daily basis. About feminism, insecurities, feeling like a bomb-ass bitch, and obviously about loads of sex. Enjoy your weekly dose of empowerment.
What is the most empowering thing you did lately? Well, I think discussing intergenerational trauma with my mom. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I reach out to my mom a lot when I'm not feeling okay or when I'm not happy or whatever. But for some reason, we are still talking and actually hurting and healing when it comes to our history. Mm -hmm. So that was really powerful but, uh, because I do think I do understand her more, even more better and clearer now right. as we speak. Yeah. Of course, you've grown up, you've grown into yourself. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that age changing can make a huge change. Definitely, yeah. So uh, I thought I knew my mother pretty well, but because of our convos, I actually know myself a bit better as well, which is uh, Good for you. a big gain. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that Thanks. is super important. You're so welcome. That is, it's so important to constantly reflect on yourself, your own behavior, and take a look in the mirror. It's hard, but it's, it's, hard. it's yeah. the work we need to do, I think. We are uh, going to get all into that, but there's no slut show without slutty science, so... I got some slutty science for you because we like to stick to facts. Slutty science with The structure of gender inequality rooted in the patriarchal world we live in has been associated with a culture of violence against women. The educational and occupational status of women in countries has been shown to be correlated to the prevalence of sexual violence in a country, with a higher status of women corresponding with lower rates of sexual violence. Physical violence against women is more likely to occur than physical violence against men. The lack of representation of women in legal and criminal justice systems contributes to a society in which men can use physical violence against women without fear or punishment. When I give you a gun and there are six spaces to put bullets, but I only put in one bullet, I twist whatever holds the bullet and I tell you, put the gun on your head and shoot. You wouldn't do it, right? Even though it's only a chance of one in six. But you wouldn't do it because the chance of... The bullet hitting right in your head is one in six. Similarly, women are aware that not all men are shit, but not every woman needs to be a victim of violence for violence to do control the lives of women. If a climate develops in which women know that sexual violence occurs, a woman does not need to have personal experience with it in order to feel fearful. As a matter of fact, that is a standard terrorist strategy. Violence against some creates terror, resulting in limited behavior of many. A culture of violence against women, which has been linked to the structures of male dominance like we know them from the patriarchy, grows a culture of fear amongst women. Let's dive into statistics. The prevalence estimates of lifetime intimate partner violence range from 20% in the Western Pacific, 22% in high-income countries like Europe, 25% in America, 33% in the African region, 31% in the Eastern Mediterranean region, and 33% in the Southeast Asia region. Femicide is a difficult word for a woman being murdered. Homicide is a difficult word for a man being murdered. Globally, around 38% of all femicides are committed by intimate partners whereas only 5% of all homicides are committed by intimate partners. Apart from the violence women faced, there are many, many more statistics which illustrates the inequality ingrained in our society like we discussed in the study science from episode 2. One of the areas of society in which inequality plays a massive role is women's reproductive rights. 
why are men deciding what women are and are not allowed to do with their bodies? I mean, no uterus, no opinion. When looking at the facts, birth control is given to the wrong gender. One man can impregnate nine women every single day for nine months. And that adds up to 2,430 pregnancies. Yes, I'm aware that it's very unlikely for a man to impregnate nine women every single day, but even in the case that he impregnates one woman every day for nine months, that is still 270 kids. One woman, however, can only birth one child in that same period of time. Man milk is anywhere between 270 and 2,430 times more dangerous than uterus. So when are we going to stop shooting at a bulletproof vest instead of unloading the goddamn gun? That's a good question. <laughs> that is a real good question. Yeah. And some painful facts you're actually putting out there. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm very happy to have an ally in the studio, someone who calls himself a feminist and is very outspoken about it. Um, how did you get into feminism? Domestic violence, basically. Well, yeah. Well, you mentioned in the beginning, you said I'm a self-proclaimed feminist. I used to say that indeed. And don't get me wrong. I love feminism. I need feminism in order to heal, in order to understand this world in terms of equality. But I do think, as a man, you need to earn that title of a feminist. I can't just say, hey, I'm a feminist, so I'm one of the good guys. No, you need to work your ass off. Right. At least that would be my opinion about that. Hey you, we have a new trigger warning system. If you hear this sound, a potential trigger will follow. The first one will follow right after this interruption. If you want to see what triggers we are warning you for, check out the podcast description or check out the right top corner of the YouTube video to see the blinking warning lights with the potential trigger. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Feminism started basically when I literally saw my mom got beaten up by my father domestic, domestically. And mm -hmm. I'm a victim of domestic violence as well, right. emotionally and physically. And for some reason, yeah, of course, you're growing up as a kid, as a youngster. And people always used to tell me like, well, women are this and that. And they actually they're exaggerating. They're always complaining for more rights and all that kind of shit. And I was like, well, maybe they do. But my mother is my like my example and she mm. is not one of those women actually claiming no she's getting beaten up and she's hurt and she's traumatized so i don't care what people say right. if my mom is my example she doesn't fit into that narrative that women are actually well doing well and they don't need extra rights in order to prevail that is bullshit so that was my main cue for not necessarily directly understand what feminism is but knowing that there are other perspectives which are not heard as right. we speak so that embodies my mom so that's where it started totally i think that what some people tend to forget is that rights are not like a piece of pie it's not like i take a piece of pie and there's less for the rest uh -huh. no rights are unlimited if you give women the same rights that are given to men right now that doesn't take any rights from them away it just makes us function as equals yeah and I think that was a very eye-opening, uh, you know, reference to me thinking of it as pie. Rights are like pie, you know? There's plenty for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I reckon a lot of men, including, are, yeah, afraid of giving up privileges. It's basically privilege and power. 
in in terms of who's able to say something or not so yes we are afraid as a male culture definitely yeah, yeah. and in a very similar way it works with white privilege because obviously, obviously um white people are still not ready to give up their privilege either mm-hmm. otherwise racism would not be a thing right now no um, you are a huge activist in all kinds of social injustice situations, basically. How did you end up with uh, the political party by Aang? Let's start with that. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a funny story in that sense because I was tired of doing nothing, basically. And yeah, I started going to demonstrations without telling anyone because I was too fearful in the sense that people would judge me wrong or would say something about, well, why are you doing that? We're going to tell the police, whatever. So I went to multiple demonstrations in terms of housing, finances, but also the climate change and almost racism as well. And I just, yeah, I noticed the same people at the same or the different sites of of demonstrations. So I was like, who are these people? And then I found out and they said something very prolific, like oppression is like our common language and where oppression occurs there we need to fight and resist. And yeah. those people were actually not the founders, but the first people who got engaged with Article 8, so formerly mm-hmm. known, and now it's called Bayain. So mm-hmm. those people were my references. And right. when they started to form an organization, a movement, yeah, I was like, well, I need to be part of this because they speak my, the same language. Yeah. And they're not necessarily the same. They're not all black people. But mm-hmm. then again, they are here to fight against racism or misogyny right. or whatever. So that's where it started. They're all people who uh, fit to a... They're all outcasts. Basically. And yeah. Yeah. Most of us are traumatized. We know what oppression is, what trauma means, what injustice means. So we're tired of that shit. And that's why we try to combine all our struggles intersectionally, which is hard. But then again, it's it's the only way out, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. I know that, um, I don't know enough about Bayane, but what I do know is that I definitely voted for them um, yeah. because <laughs> totally, uh, I feel like it's very important to also, you know, uh, use my platform to say wh- what I voted for and whatever other people de- decide to do is on them, but mm-hmm. I will be more than happy to, you know, <laughs> introduce them to Bayane. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, well, definitely. And we like to emphasize things when we yeah. talk about for instance, the Tuslagen affair, that's a, that's a sign or an example of institutional racism. This country is not ready yet to actually mm-hmm. emphasize the words in which they mean and how they operate and actually inflict damage on groups of people. And that's and, what I like by Aang. And to face the real, the, the real issues that are going on right now, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that um, this party started by uh, Silvana Simons, and I think that m- might be important for people who are not from the Netherlands and don't follow Dutch politics uh, to also, you know, explain a little bit what what the Tuslagaffaire in general even is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically really s- roughly summarized a um, tax scandal that occurred because of systemic racism yeah. in the tax systems that function in the Netherlands. Um, and crazily enough, uh, our prime minister is still our prime minister, even though he was a huge part of that, um, well, <laughs> thing happening. Yeah, scandal or whatever. You know? Yeah, whatever yeah. he likes to call it. Um, and that is all the more, well, uh, facts and and demonstration of how um, systemic racism occurs in every single area of our society. Yeah, in this context, women were targeted most, were hurt the most. Single moms... Women of color were mm-hmm. hit the most because of this racist tactic, and this shows all 
<clears throat> this also shows that women basically they end up let's just say they benefit the least of every situation socioeconomically politically culturally and we right. need to fucking address that yeah as absolutely. much as we can yeah you um began speaking when did you begin speaking at black lives matter demonstrations events not that long ago actually i would say maybe four or five years ago and i don't mind talking to groups of people but then again it was something else actually facing your own fears as a kid. I've been racist, I've been targeted targeted in terms of racism when I was eight years old, that's where it started. And I'm still traumatized because of that by yeah. the police. So it's actually a big deal breaker for me to talk and to speak up against institutional racism, against the police, against media, against politicians whatsoever. But I would say four or five years ago, it really started hitting off, uh, yeah. Right, yeah. and how did you, when did you when you first got asked what did you want to say well i wanted to express my anger like why is nobody hearing us like what is the what do we need to do even more in order to prove that we are human beings like we're murdered for nothing or racially profiled for nothing especially black women are treated like you know second or third rate citizens and yeah i was just tired i wanted to express my anger but then again you need some charisma or maybe a narrative in order to drag the people to soak them and to engage them in your story right so that's what i try to do and yeah normally it helps but afterwards i need my call it self-care or whatever i need my people in order to treat me or to give me something in order to cool off right because m mostly i am afterwards i'm very angry and pissed and yeah emotionally well yeah it drains drain thank you yeah you're you're constantly on you're constantly fighting you're constantly having the hard conversations you're constantly teaching people trying to educate them no. and that costs so much that costs yeah. so and much we underestimate that that phase of self-care absolutely terribly yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah. what ha what has your personal uh process been in regards to self-care yeah like i said i i talked a lot, a lot to my mom about this about mental health especially mm -hmm. but in terms of deconstructing your manhood that definitely um, is um, something i try to do every day and it's painful it's it's uh, confronting especially and what it, it does help realizing what position i could get or currently i am like filling in in this society as a man and right. it's it's very problematic and it's actually scary in my case i would say it's really scary Sex the social construct of masculinity poses as a major barrier to mental health treatment for men as men are socialized to present as strong and stoic the idea of benefiting from mental health support can feel shameful and even opposing to one's own masculinity this perceived lack of access to mental health services makes men much more susceptible to substance abuse and suicide. You said that from your, like, when you were eight years old on, you encountered racism. Yeah. Well, if an eight-year-old faces racism, then white kids are sure as hell not uh, too young to learn about it when their peers are facing it. Exactly. And in a similar way, um, deconstructing your manhood uh, in, in a way of... Well, it's, it's a way of deconstructing the patriarchy and trying to see how the systems really function. Yeah. In a similar way, I feel like it's so important for men to do that and for men to critically look at themselves and the privileges they have when women are... This morning, I literally got a dick pic sent over again, and I just... I got... 
like Manon is sitting behind the camera. She's a production assistant who, thank you for being here, for existing, for everything. I can't even. Um, and I just got so enraged. I just couldn't handle it. I was so fucking furious because um, when it comes to feminism and women not being treated equally, there is nothing you can do to a dick pic send over. If I expose them, then I am sharing nudity and I will get taken down. If mm. I tag Instagram, no matter what I say, they're gonna be able to find it back even if I delete the stories. If I call them out, I'm sharing personal images, but then I can't go to the police even though the police do stuff with online harassment when it comes to their colleagues. When it's convenient for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the okay. shits, it's one big shit show and that's why this yeah. show's here. I'm so sorry to hear, by the way. I can't even relate to that kind of stuff. But then again, I am part of this culture as well. As right, man, but right? you are fighting so hard to um, be our ally, mm -hmm. to um, amplify the voice that we try to have. Uh, we LGBTQ people, yeah. we uh, women, um, non-cis or cis, whatever. Um, what is something that, because I feel I really, really, really feel like it's so important to contribute to breaking down systemic racism that is mm -hmm. so important to me and ever since the conversations began uh after the murder uh, of george floyd mm -hmm. i think that was a, a game-changing moment for a lot of people especially white people yeah. who then realized wait this isn't the first time this has been happening for so many fucking decades what can what is the um first step you think uh white people need to make in order to make it a safer world also for black people and people of color yeah well it's a good question then again i don't have all the answers but what would help is well basically what you are doing speaking out if if people have a lot of privileges based on their race or whatever network socioeconomic status use those platforms and spaces in order to yeah amplify black voices or voices of people of color that would help and then again resist a lot demonstrations whatever do something in your daily life which regards resistance you know when it comes to white people in general in the culture resistance is more like saying yeah we're gonna talk about it we're gonna have a dialogue about racism or about sexism or about the patriarch no we don't want a dialogue about oppression oppression is wrong yeah. and we need to get rid of that shit so my first answer would be like well, yeah, give up your privileges by making room for others, the less heard voices, racially speaking, in this context. But right. yeah, that would be it. And there's lots more you can do by quitting your job when you're a CEO, whatever, to give more people places of power in which they can operate as a people of color or black right. people. Yeah. Right. And also, if you have your own business, um, you are the only one who decides who's going to work for you. So yeah. actively seek people who are of color, who are uh, uh, LGBTQIA+, who are disabled. Actively create a team around you of people who um, all contribute to giving a proper... Um, what the fuck is Dorshne? Average. <laughs> Average of what society is like. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave that bit in. Um, <laughs> it's so imp it's so important. Yeah, it, it is it is important. And normally, a lot of organizations would say when not even only white people, but yeah, obviously, mostly, they would tell like, yeah, we couldn't find anyone. And it's because usually... Fuck in, you, in you didn't their, search hard enough. Exactly. In your train of thought, in the way you're thinking, it's probably white dominant. You're going to look for the people who actually resemble your culture or your manifestation of what works or not. Mm -hmm. And we need to transcend that and very quickly. And usually they don't, they don't do that by themselves because it works. The privilege works. 
it feeds the unknown or the unaware part of doing something for someone else. Absolutely. Why would you do something for someone else? Because you're good as it gets, right? Or to me, I mean, I mean, like your well, your life is flowing. Like, why would you give a fuck about someone else? Don't come at me saying that you couldn't find someone. Fuck off. Mm. Actively search for them. Just yeah, or seek help. Try yes. to uh, try to inform people like, hey, I'm trying to make this space inclusive. Yes. Or whatsoever, but I need help in order to do that. I am. I'm constantly speaking to black friends of mine, uh, people of color, uh, people who are very inclusive, who uh, can recommend me other people to, uh, you know, get more people of color on the show. I literally, for this season, I, mm. for these two seasons, I deliberately, I made spaces in my like uh, recordings. Uh, I I knew that I at least wanted three people of color per season because mm. it doesn't resemble an actual society if it's mm. not like that. You need to make room for those voices and i don't want this to be oh look at you doing good no not at all that's normal it's the bare fucking minimum it's yeah. not oh good for you it's where we need to start and we need to do so much more here what are books that you would recommend to people like read that if you want to confront your own white privilege or systemic racism yeah yeah definitely i would definitely recommend witte onschuld so white, right. white innocence from claudia wecker which is very confronting, I guess, for white people, including even like everyday racism, Dutch racism from Philomena essay. Mm -hmm. Those are books actually who gave not only meaning to my life, but it was more like clarifying things I could feel on a daily, but never could, you know, pinpoint. Like, yeah. Or, or even describe like what is happening? Why do I feel that way if I see these images or when I walk into a store? buying some shit and people looking at me like you don't belong here what is that where is it from so these books are actually examples of deconstructing and describing that those processes right and yeah it would it would definitely i guess would lecture you in a different way in a counterclockwise way of what white culture or white supremacy is yeah absolutely watch documentaries read books i'm yeah. currently reading why i'm no longer talking to white people about mm, racism yeah. read that one too very yeah. important book i feel like it's very relevant for everyone but especially white people do your fucking homework yeah. you have not been th going through systemic racism your entire life so and other people have so go fucking read about it um <laughs> that being said yeah. um Obviously, activism plays a huge role in your life, if not the leading the leading role. Yeah. Uh, taking rests can be hard. Um, what do you do to balance it? Well, frankly, to be honest, it is it's not in balance right now. And yes, like you were saying, it's um, it's not a side job or whatsoever. I don't expect to get paid. Mm -hmm. I just want to live deliberately with my people. Yeah. In equal, you know, in in an equal way of living, but in order to balance i need to rest that's basically it i need to accept that you can't save the whole world throughout the day right. or by just continuing your your actions and stuff no you need your rest yeah and we both know i guess resting is actually a revolutionary act in the sense Absolutely. of battling capitalism because we are actually you know programmed or steered to do the most every day like Absolutely. getting the most out of your productivity For, yeah yeah and we need to quit that because it's not healthy. Productivity can't. looks different every single day. Yeah. yeah. And that capitalism, which is 
intersectional feminism is also about breaking down capitalism and finding balance in that mm. and making room for yourself and creating space to be and to relax and to you know sometimes indulge in capitalism in order to be able to destroy it mm. yeah yeah and exactly when you talk about men they usually are conditioned or they 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 get the feeling or are teach to be like the, the man of the household you mm -hmm. need to carry your family which is fine but again in the way you're getting teach to do that mm -hmm. means also that we don't learn to express our emotions or to deal with our frustrations aside from being physical or very focally towards our partners you just mentioned the figures about mm -hmm. partner partner crimes etc and, and abuse so those things are connected like you're saying so right. it's very very important to notify that even men it's not a shame if you can't provide for your family fully we have other people in the same family or in 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 communities who can do that for you right. or maybe together like we're very fear of competition when it comes to women sexism is so normalized mm -hmm. that we actually think that it should be the women's role right. or a women's role which is very problematic yeah. and if yeah if you don't resist that thought you can't even deal with it you can't change it if you don't challenge yourself to think differently yeah how are you as a man in in this patriarchal world learning to deal with your emotions how are you learning to express them uh, therapy hands down while men are at a deficit when it comes to seeking out mental health support they're even less likely to follow through with the recommendations of a mental health professional. What's one thing that can help men feel more comfortable accessing mental health services? Visibility. The more men like Daryl openly discuss their experiences, the more normalized it will be for others. Thanks, Daryl. I've been avoiding and neglecting all, you know, like tips and, and in, terms of in terms of advice, I always avoided going to therapy because I thought it was weak. It was a sign of weakness if you have to, when you have to, well, when you're seeking help in order to deal with yourself. I thought I should be able to do, to do that by myself or I have my friends or my family or even my father back in the days to help me out. And if that isn't possible, ain't possible, yeah, I probably failed. So I thought it's, it's not about that. I mm -hmm. need to do something else. Yeah, I did two, three years ago and it's been a blessing. It's yeah. been a painful, confronting blessing ever since. But yeah. it is so eye-opening. Mm. I recently finished seven years of seven years straight of different kinds of therapy, and it's been rough. But God, I'm so so happy I did it okay. because facing yourself like that is what you need in order to be able to grow in life. Yeah, definitely. If you don't deal with the trauma that you encountered, if you don't face it all. It's, it's going to come haunting you down. You, you cannot run away from yourself and your thoughts and your past. Exactly. You yeah. will always carry it with you. And that's something that you need to learn to accept. But that is, for some people, they're able to do it without any help. But don't be ashamed if you need that help professionally because that's what they're there for. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And there's no room for shame when it comes to toxic masculinity. There's no room for, yeah, well, maybe frustrations, but failure cannot be an option no, yeah it is an option so failure and shame and other things as well and in the process it doesn't mean when you're in therapy like oh so you're in therapy so you're probably gonna figure everything you press out, the like, button and now you yeah, know yeah, yeah. No, no. i i could easily detect and 
recognize certain patterns in my head and they're all rooted in domestic violence I know and probably in, in intergenerational trauma and racism as well right. but I do know for a fact that I made terrible mistakes as a man towards women when it, when it comes to dating or cheating I've been through all of that and I at least know where it came from or where it comes from and I can't be the same person anymore not if you're out there screaming mm-hmm. that men should be doing this and that Check yourself, I would say. Then. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And even when therapy is a bridge too far, you can even or also talk with people and especially listen. Yeah. Listening is a, lot of, is a thing that a lot of men should need to do. I can't say I learn it all or understand it all, but you need to listen. And I actually learned to listen by talking to women, basically, right. my former relations. They, they learn, they teach me how to listen to people. And... I suddenly realized that I usually did not do I did not listen. I just I was in a room expressing and just projecting all my fears and insecurities right. and hoping to to you know be the winner of the conflict. It always needs to be a winner mm-hmm. for a lot of men in a conversation like this. Yeah. But listening is something very prominent we should do. Hear, yeah. hear. Absolutely. I feel like it's so important and I think that if you are constantly focused on having to win the argument and wanting to come out as... Been there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same, totally. It is so natural to, especially indeed if you grow up in a, in, in a house where domestic violence is normalized, yeah. you are constantly trying to win arguments because you're trying to have some control over anything ever. Exactly. And so, um, but letting that go and realizing that sometimes, oh shit, I was wrong. That is like the first times are gonna be so hard. But when you, um, I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with a friend of mine and I said something that I did not at all fact check. And she was like, no, that's not true. And I was like, probably you're right. And so I just took that back. And then an hour later I was like, shit, I, I, I just did that because I know that she was right and I was wrong and that was fine. And that's such an eye-opener when you begin practicing that and when you begin practicing to listen and to not want to win an argument. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've always been that way. And it's actually, it's it's a blessing. It's, it's a feeling of freedom when indeed, when you're actually countered on something which is not right. Gaslighting, for instance. Yeah. I've been all that. Yeah. Like, I never heard about gaslighting until I found out what it meant because of women who gave me the theory to, to read. And then I realized I was all that kind of person. I don't want to be that person anymore. I can't. Right. No. That is so important. Uh, this season, we actually have a slut show sex therapist, Sarah, uh, who adds little snippets of information to whatever we're going to say. Sarah Love, could you add something about gaslighting? Because I feel like it's very important for you to add a bit. Gaslighting is a specific type of abuse where the abuser causes the victim to question their own sanity or reality. A gaslighter will often tell their victim they are making things up or overreacting. This eventually causes the victim to believe that they cannot rely on their own emotions or maybe even memory. The victim ultimately fears the repercussions of challenging the narrative created by the abuser. That was very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) And um, yeah, no, it is so important to like, if you don't know what gaslighting is and you don't know after Sarah's explanation, Google it, look into it and just take a step back and ask yourself, have I done this? And if you have, go to the people you did it to say, I just learned what gaslighting is. I am so sorry if I ever did that to you. Apologize for things. Be the bigger person. Because it's always a good idea to be the bigger person. What 
do you think that um, men can do in order to contribute to feminism and make the world a safer place for women? To begin with, I think we need to acknowledge that our manhood is a culture itself. And it's, a culture is disruptive. The culture is not, it's not fruitful. It is violent and it serves no purpose other than destroying things, including yourself. And I say this deliberately because, like I said, you know the hashtag not all men, you know, like, hey, I'm a good person. Yeah, sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I of course can. you know, of course you know. Like, it's exactly about that. It, it doesn't, we are not here to prove like we're good persons. We can be, and our tensions might be good, but Stop we Stop saying not yeah. all men, oh my God. But we are part of a bigger group. I actually share some things, even with hooligans in football stadiums. Yeah, we share our manhood, our yeah. social constructions, being a man is something we share. So mm -hmm. we know where it came from, where it comes from. So we need to speak the fuck up. But at least acknowledge that the patriarchy is actually a terrorist organization, I would say that. Or I would say that we need to acknowledge that our culture, the way we are conditioned, it's not going to help either us or women in this case. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be a first big start. And we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. I saw terrible toxic masculinity when it came to the corona crisis. A lot of politicians, including Mark Rutte, mm -hmm. not trying or even thinking of, you know, like, at least admit you made a mistake when it, when it came. You can't admit you made right. a mistake as a man because then you failed. So you're going to blame it. You're going to project it towards <laughs> some, some others, like the people. Like, well, yeah, you were the people not obeying the rules. That's why corona spread like you know it is unbelievable yeah, honestly yeah. i i just i don't understand how there's how it's possible for politicians to not to not even admit that they were wrong about certain things yeah, just yeah. say hey sorry i was wrong i'm a person too you're a person too exactly we need to go that way especially as men and that's yeah. why i try to bring up this example because we're not good at that. We're not getting teached in order to admit we were wrong. Totally. Or, no. We're always in a competitive mode of living and acting and operating. And that is tiresome. That is, it's, it's really exhausting. And at the end of the day, yeah, you don't benefit. We think it's beneficial, but yeah. it, ain't, it ain't beneficial. How do, you, um, tr how do you incorporate feminism into dating women? Because I know that you're... As yeah. heterosexual as you can be, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that has been a deal breaker for for uh, for for a long time, in a sense that mm -hmm. I would say that uh, listening again to the needs and wants they have as a person is very important. Like not only defining your own rules and, and boundaries, but accepting and respecting the others. Like, hey, I'm a man. I know what's good for you. No, we're not gonna do that. And in addition, and that's because of Bahrain, I don't blame them. Actually, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, I started to doubt my, my own sexual, not preferences, but in terms of monogamy, I've been very, not only interested, but I'm, uh, I started to think like, hey, I've been in long-term relationships for a long time. So what is this, maybe this feeling I always had? Like I've cheated, like I told you before, mm -hmm. I cheated on out of insecurity, frustrations. And, and other things, traumas with my former relation. I shouldn't be doing that. I did, but why? Why did I do that? And I've been diving into like deconstructing manhood and embracing 
yeah, different forms of getting into contact and, and right. getting engaged in relations with women. And it's very interesting. And that itself, it's feminist because there's no room for the the narrative to be incorporated because it's all about monogamy. It's all about mm -hmm. men and women. Men should be leaning in relationships, all of that crap. I don't right. have to tell you that. Yeah. So that would be a slight of an answer uh -huh. towards your question yeah, yeah no but I, I feel like it's very good for you to share that process because I feel like there's a lot of people either beginning this process or somewhere in the middle or wherever they are in the process yeah, 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 yeah. if you're in the process you're already doing really good because you, you are confronting yourself with all that shit and you are like reflecting and um, checking yourself and checking your behavior and that is so important yeah. and um, I feel like um especially like men leading having to be leaders in in dating mm -hmm. that is something that i struggle with a lot because i know what i want i know what i like when i see it mm -hmm. and i i ask people out because if i want to go out with someone i'm not here to play games honey i have a business to run i don't have time for that crap mm -hmm. so i'm just super honest in that regard and um i literally say hey i would like to see where things are going and stuff yeah. um and if that's not where their mind is at, fine. But communication is so incredibly important in that sense. And um, being able to let someone else lead, especially if it's a woman, yeah. that says so much about your manhood. That's manhood to me. Mm. That's masculinity. That's sexy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had to learn. I'm still not, I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there is an end goal in a sense of being perfect and complete, I reckon it's never the case. It's, because you, We're always you, a process. Yeah, you're gonna meet new people as well, but defining your own boundaries and respecting the others is something I really had to learn. Yeah. Me. Yeah. And despite, and actually sadly, it was at the expense of emotional labor and, yeah. and the emotional state of women to begin with. And this is something I can't afford. And you will always have, maybe you have discrepancies in terms of communication, right. but at least talk and be honest and I really had to learn to be honest to myself to begin with mm -hmm. in order to be honest to someone else towards someone else yeah of course yeah. speaking of emotional labor when um, I this is something that I find very hard um, in trying to uh, deconstruct racism mm -hmm. and the systemic white privilege that there is going on aside from the systemic racism yeah. how um can we white people do better without pro like profiting off of emotional labor of black people because that is a hard one right yeah yeah to, to me i mean like there's no single answer but like you said you have to teach you have to study but especially you have to inflict you have to be able to inflict damage damage what has been done for centuries yeah, you're gonna probably you're gonna get hurt by someone black people POC telling you your place in the racial debate and whatever. Even if you have the best of intentions, remember not to burden a member of an oppressed group with the responsibility of educating you on the history of their oppression. In white culture, it's very normal to center yourself as the main or leading figure or person when it comes to race, which is very problematic. Totally. But yeah, in terms of sexism, men, women, trans people cisgender people we see the same dynamic but especially as white people i think that getting yourself educated and yeah cleaning up your own backyard cleaning up your own culture would be a big massive well gain i would say so yes obviously if you don't know anything or you're doubting about certain perspectives obviously you need to talk to black people mm -hmm. as well but maybe in a vulnerable way like hey i'm trying to learn this I'm ready to inflict upon some damage 
in terms of making mistakes and all of that shit. But I want to learn because there's a bigger collective goal I need to achieve. It's not right. something for me as a person, but I want to represent maybe a lot of more white people in order by talking differently. And yeah. ask for consent when you are approaching uh, a person of color. Um, yeah, if they that. have the headspace for that emotional labor, if yeah. they can do it, or yeah. if there's something that they wrote that you can read, mm-hmm. ask. Yeah, and definitely, in, in, in my case, it would be different in a sense that I'm a teacher, I'm a youth worker. Right. So I'm situated in a context in which people are able and they deserve to learn as well. I had the privileges to learn as much as I could. And yes, I made mistakes, but we need to transcend the notion of being afraid of making mistakes. If we can get past that, then it's it's impossible to get or to be to become a better person. Yeah. But we need to transcend that given matter that we are afraid of making mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes, but then again, if you make them, inflict upon and move on. You yeah. cannot learn unless you fall on your face. Well, definitely, yeah. Especially in a society which has been built up like very, well, skewed basically. It's no, not equally. Yeah. All right, we are going to be taking a quick break from this super interesting conversation. Um, we're gonna be back to continue it, but first. Can I get some backing vocals? Slut Show Sex Position Twister, your weekly dose of bedroom inspiration. Mm. The Choking Cheerleader. Perfect for introducing power play while also having a very advanced position that asks for some flexibility on the pussy owner's part. However, it does make it all real tight and it goes pretty deep, so I'd say give it a shot. Mountain climbing cunts. Ellen, you cannot write cunts. That is rude. Lovely for drowning into each other's eyes. Yeehaw! The reverse cowgirl. Fun for giving the vagina owner the power to decide the pace and rhythm. Speaking of bedroom inspiration, what's your favorite position? I'm a lazy guy, actually, <laughs> in that sense. Oh. I would say, um, I don't even know the name of the position, but if Describe I would lay it. on my back, and in, in this case a woman would ride me, I would right. be very satisfied. And usually right. it's vice versa, so we good. Yeah. Nice, nice, yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm a lazy fuck too, so okay. mm-hmm. yeah, wouldn't be a match. <laughs> you date women, so... Yeah. Um, I, th- I feel like you can learn a lot in dating because it's so it's like a whole new level of personal. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you incorporate consent in the bedroom? Well, back in the days, I would just try to feel. A man can feel, I always say. We need to learn how to feel. I still need to, le- to learn to do that. But usually it would go automatically. But then again, I learned sometimes afterwards, women were afraid to tell me stuff. Mm-hmm. Because they thought it was like a prestige game. You need to, right. like, you need to be on your top level, or else guys would talk bad about you with their peers or whatever. Right. So I was very in shock. And then again, it's so obvious when you look at the patriarchy. But because sex for a lot of guys means you have to perform mm-hmm. and you need to climax and you need to do all that stuff. Right. I really needed to learn that it is a journey. It's basically a journey in which the uh, you can you are able to control the the narrative or the the interaction i would say right i'm gonna say the interaction together and not only as the men versus women and you need to do that and you need to perform no 
and try to be or try to transcend that given matter. And it's hella more fun if you do so. Totally. Yeah. 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 yeah se- sexuality is an experience, um, and having sex with people is an experience. It's not uh, a, like there's no end goal to it. Well, no, no. It's like it's a process. It's a full circle. You can. Uh, you can go in it and be like, okay, if we both climax and we're we're done, uh, you can go in it and not climax and have a really good time. I used to think that sex is um, okay. Uh, a man comes and then we're done. Yeah, exactly. And I, I thought the same. Right, and I used to think that um, penetration is sex and the rest isn't. What? Oh my god, it isn't. Mm. Whoa, shocker! That was like baffling to me. I. I have Elizabeth partners. I'm very open about that mm-hmm. because I, I want to know and I want to, you know, be able to go back when I'm old and, and gray. Gingers don't get gray, by the way. Um, <laughs> details. <laughs> um, but like when I look at that list, I made it of people who I had penetrative sex with. And that's yeah. so weird because that's not it. Familiar, by the way. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. What is that like for you? Well, yeah. The process. That is uh, something which is part of deconstructing manhood as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's part of the man box. You you can you can talk about penetration and did you had sex with that woman or whatever, but you can't say, well, we just had a good time and we ended up kissing and having oral sex and that was it. If you would if I would tell my friends that given matter back in the days because they knew I had a date, mm-hmm. I would get laughed at. So I probably would lie and say, yeah, yeah, it was amazing and we did this and I came three times, blah, blah, blah. Right. This is how far and how deep it goes. Like yeah. the insecurities. We're, we're continuously projecting our insecurities towards each other right. in that male dominant culture. And we need to get rid of that shit. Yeah. So that was something that I tried to get rid of. Yeah, and nowadays it's different. I, we not we but I talk more I want to I'm very interested in the things women like and Mm -hmm. if you if we can talk about it prior having sex or whatever Mm -hmm. or maybe even during that is amazing and actually it stimulates me to yeah to be a better person in bed as well right consent is hella sexy like ask for it for fuck's sakes Mm I I literally had a conversation with uh, our lovely production assistant sitting next to the camera. That's why I'm, you know, looking like that. Um, uh, about what, what kind of assholes I dated and how I, um, I I had a date with someone relatively recently, and then uh, I didn't know if it was a date because because nothing happened. And I realized how fucked up it is that in my brain, if they don't at least try something, it's not a date. I'm it's like, not a date. what? Yeah. Yeah. So because I've I'm used to uh, people trying to touch me without my consent, that is so crazy. That yeah. is just so crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't say crazy because it's ableist language, but then again, yes, it is so normalized that we actually expect. That's what a lot of men will tell me still, and even boys I work with as a youth worker. Well, yeah, they asked for it because they dress that way. And if they would dress more properly according to my standard of what a woman should be, yeah, then they would, wouldn't be in trouble. Honey, is, did my dress read rape me? Didn't yeah. think so. No, no, no. So it's, so it's internalizing as well. If mm-hmm. you think that way, what you were just describing, you're so actually used, I guess, to the given matter that someone or some guy will would or is about to do something. Yeah, right. then we call it a date. Yeah, that is, I, I don't blame you because you can't, you can't help yourself for that being mm-hmm. conditioned that way. That's, this is how society works. But it's problematic, obviously. Yeah. It is problematic. Absolutely. Yeah. I <laughs> Baffling. 
baffling to me, truly. I don't even understand how... I don't know how I got to this point. I don't know how... What it, what what exactly made me think that way? Because it didn't used to be like that. When mm. I grew up, I remember, you know, it was a day because I felt it. But then growing up, growing into your sexuality, hosting a slut show, people have a lot of preju- prejudices about you. People mm. think that, okay, you're the host of a slut show, so you're having sex with five guys a week and yeah. they're all different guys. Mm. Um, but that is not necessarily true. I recently didn't have sex for like six months and I'm still the host of a slut show and I still talk about sex very openly and I still have these conversations that um, need to be held. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy you do, really. Thank yeah. you, thank you. What are things that... Um, you right now are like i wish i could understand that better from women is there things like that hard question yeah it is a hard question indeed i'm not caught off guard mm-hmm. but there is yeah there there is something i can understand on paper but mm-hmm. then again i feel so because i see it in my my recent dates etc right like if i would be sleeping over because of a date mm-hmm. or whatever and I, I would say like, hey, I forgot, shit, I forgot my, uh, my trunks at home or whatever. Right. Usually what happens in my case, because I try to listen and try to interact, like I said, during or after sex or prior, it is like a lot of women would be like in caring mode immediately. Like, oh, I'll go to the store and get you one. Oh, you're hungry? Oh, I have something upstairs. I will get it for you. And it's not that I don't like it, but right. it's not my, I don't want, in terms of deconstructing manhood, right. it should be equally balanced, right? Uh-huh. And I think the patriarch actually, well, conditions women to be caring because Absolutely. It's, a, it's a way of being safe, paraphrased, you know, yeah. in, in a world where males are dominant and whatever. Right. So it's actually in my, in my imagination, I'm I'm trying to look for questions and answers when it comes to that caring condition mode. Mm-hmm. Women are almost engaged in automatically because I, I don't say yeah. that they can't or won't or shouldn't. Yeah. But then again, I know for a fact if we try to to deconstruct patriarchy or mm-hmm. deconstruct colonization or manhood or whatever, I do think that other ways of behavior in a dynamic between men and women mm-hmm. should be possible. So Absolutely. That's my, yeah, so that would be my question. What happens and how can I help in order to prevent that from happening? Um, that's a very, very good one because I catch myself doing that so often. Mm. I am really good at taking care of people, but having people take care of me, oh, that's a whole different story. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. But that's also because of my past and because I... Uh, I, I I ran away from home when I was sev- just turned 17, so I've been uh, self-sufficient ever since. Mm-hmm. I've been paying my own bills, getting my own houses, um, making sure there was food on the table. So for me, caring for, uh, well, myself, but mostly people around me and yeah. making sure they are good is such, like, that's my, my second nature. That is literally what I do and what I'm super good at. And right now in my dating life, I really very proactively try and find people who... Um, are good at taking care of people so that i don't need to always do that because there is no balance if i if i'm dating with people who like being taken care of constantly yeah then i will go to that extreme so i think it's important to you know ask uh where that comes from for that person if it's something they're comfortable with and they had a very relatively quote-unquote easy life and Mm. they like taking care of people it can be a way of showing affection it can be a way of uh showing that they care for you but it can also be very toxic. Yeah, definitely. And I try to find that balance because I know right. as a person, as a man, I suck. 
literally in in not taking care of people but i'm easily i'm too used to that disbalance when right. it comes to taking care yes while dating or while being in the process of a relationship people or women always are taking care of me and mm-hmm. i'm used to that i like it but then again like i said when you're deconstructing your man this is part of it as well so that's why right. i'm yeah it's a bit of emotional labor basically yeah but cook for them well yeah cook for them hate cooking that's something cook for them Oof. yeah it's just google I, I need to eat every day right in order right. to function that's why i do it but i don't like it so i have I have a lot of privileges as a man i'm mm-hmm. aware of that but i'm still before i know into sucked and engaged into that dynamic again right. like hey oh they're gonna cook oh great i'm like right. hold up hold up wait a minute oh, yeah, yeah yeah i feel like cooking for people for me it's a way of expressing my love for them mm-hmm. um because like i've been i cook every single day like twice usually because i am allergic to everything but the sun and then i'm a ginger so i'm kind of also allergic to that you know (laughs) um so cooking is for me a very i do it very fast and easily because i know what i can and what i can't have Mm -hmm. so in in my situation it's totally different but i think that in general go on a first date and say can i cook for you do it like men watching do it please do it take care of my girls well, yeah, no, definitely. And there's something else which came to mind, came to mind in in, uh, in in the example I gave, mm-hmm. because dating is so heteronormative as we speak. It's so conditioned that if someone would ask me or actually would tell me like, "Hey, is it okay if I would cook for you?" Automatically, in terms of quantity, I would think and 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 tell myself well you need at least you need to do something back so mm-hmm. it's it's like a give and take kind of thing and that right. is something that actually affects me as well like that can also be super toxic yeah yeah, yeah for like oh she has been doing this and that already and shit and right. well i have only one week in order to 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 arrange something is that enough am i enough in order to do that right so a lot of insecurities as well and then again, I do realize where it comes from uh-huh. when it comes to quantifying your marriage or your, your dynamic or your date or whatever. Yeah. It's usually quantified in who brings what to the table mm-hmm. in order to say something about it. So, Communicate, yeah. ask, yeah. have the conversation. Working on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good for you. I feel like this is very important. I really, really hope there is actual cis, preferably white, men watching this because yeah. I feel like it's so important. Uh, to listen to this conversation and to uh, reflect upon your own behavior and mm-hmm. how you've been doing in the past, well, decades and uh, however long you've been on this planet. And, um, hey, shit, did you hear that? I think we have mail. Okay. We have mail. Um, so someone sent in a question saying, uh, where do I begin educating myself? Where do I begin, especially mm. as a man, about feminism? I think as a man... I would say obviously in the library there's a lot you can read and if it's not possible in terms of you know money or mm-hmm. maybe ability when you have a you know like a disability or whatever that's something else but right. it, it begins with reading reading and trying to to get to lecture on behalf of people who do not look like you who think differently who right. have an opinion about something which is very normal to you in terms of privileges that would yeah. be my main answer and yes you have to get into communities of people who actually paved the way for you as a man to begin with in Absolutely. order to prevent emotional labor talk to men 
and they are around or surf the internet, check out your networks in which you probably can find them. Yeah. Share the slut show with your friends. <laughs> yeah, definitely will do that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I really Pleasure. enjoyed this conversation. I feel like it can be very beneficial for a lot of different people right now. Um, thank you at home for tuning in for this week's episode. Next week, I will be back same place, same time, and then you will see this. I was having sex on the couch while they were like in the other rooms sleeping. <laughs> These people forget that it's so much fun to be sexually active. Yeah. It's a legitimate hobby. <laughs> yeah. I, that which I know is like five bed partners is like high. Oh, honey. What? <laughs> I had five in one night? Like, what? And I realized I'm a slut. <laughs> Maybe men like collectively just need therapy. For at least yeah. three years. That's and, good. That's you know, good. face themselves, face their own misogyny, face their own patriarchal bullshit. See, you are a psychologist. <laughs> I will collect the fucked up men. I will just send you the list of people I had sex with. <laughs> I did not just say that. And then I was like, oh, I should get a vibrator. So much fun. Haha. <laughs> so I got a vibrator, but it was without a base on at the end. I think I tried it too much and it disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to read the information from Slutty Science again, please head over to theslutshow.org. Yes, orgasm. Theslutshow.org, where you are now also able to get your hands on my five-piece postcard collection. Oh my god. Dedicated to destroying the patriarchy and empowering you. Uh, so get your hands on it. Uh, if you'd like to support The Slut Show in another way, you can support me on Patreon by buying me a coffee, which is only four euros a month, or you can donate once, which would already, already be fantastic and support both me and the team behind the camera tremendously. Please follow me on Instagram and obviously follow Daryl. I will plug all the social media details in the description box. Send in your questions to the Instagram of The Slut Show, at The Slut Show with Alan Moore, and we will be answering them on the show. How cool is that? Do it. <laughs> Don't forget to give the video a big thumbs up. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Share the slut show with your friends. Thank you at home for uh, watching. Thank you for being here. And for now, sluts, sluts out. out. <laughs>